this is actually the last message in our Star of Christmas series. Uh, I know it's the day after Christmas, but we still got, got another star to talk about. Now, uh, so, so far in December, we've talked about uh, the people who were sort of supporting cast members of the real star. The real star of Christmas is Jesus, of course. Uh, but, you know, we had the other guys show up, you know, people like uh, Buddy the Elf and, and the Grinch, and, and we had Santa Claus and this guy that tries to imitate me all the time, Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> We had these guys show up, and really, the secular world has made them heroes at Christmas. But we know who the real star of Christmas is. It's Jesus. But there's one more that we really need to talk about. Uh, In fact, the Bible talks a lot about stars. And one of my favorite passages is out of Philippians chapter 2. And guess who he calls bright, shining stars? That's us. Yes, in fact... It's our job to reflect the real star of Christmas. I want to read to you out of Philippians chapter 2. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, listen, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. That's exactly right. Today, I want to be real real practical and, 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 and give you a challenge because I'm really amazed at how this passage starts off when he starts talking about us being bright and shining stars, reflecting the real star of Christmas. He starts out like this. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Now that, of course, is very typical of our sinful nature that we were all born with. It's so easy to fall into that complaining, arguing thing. But you know what? It's one of the greatest hindrances in the world to shining like a bright star in the middle of a crooked and perverse world. Complaining and arguing. Those two things can dim the light that we're to shine as quick as anything in the world. And I want to talk about that just for a few minutes. Let's look at these two words that that Paul chose to use. The first one, complaining. It's the Greek word, gongosmos. And it's a word that means this low murmuring, you know, under your breath kind of murmuring, complaining. How about this one? whining. That's what the word itself means. It's the old, I didn't get my way in that. It's that attitude, I need, I want to get my way, and I didn't get it. It's that thing of being an armchair quarterback, about being a backseat driver. It's that kind of, that just completely comes out of nowhere, and it just murmurs underneath. And here's the other word that he used, arguing. That word That's a really cool word. It's dialogismus in Greek, and this is what it means. It means criticism, disputing, clashing with words, throwing judgments out. That's what that word means, clashing words. John Wesley, you all probably have heard of that guy. He was a great preacher of the 1700s, and John Wesley was known as a spiffy dresser. 
He really was. He always wore everything he was supposed to wear, a certain kind of robe, and he had this little neck piece. And one Sunday, he preached a wonderful message, of course. And um, after the service was over, this lady came up to him and said, uh, uh, Brother Wesley, do you mind some criticism? And he said, no, I don't mind. And he said, the necktie you're wearing, the ribbons are totally too long and unbecoming of a man of God in the pulpit. And she pulled some scissors out and chopped them off. And John Wesley said, could I borrow your scissors? And he got the scissors. He says, ma'am, do you mind some criticism? She said, it's okay. He said, would you please stick out your tongue? <laughs> it's really a true story, although he didn't cut her tongue off. Anyway. There's a guy named Robert Hughes who writes for Time Magazine, and he wrote an article, and it turned into a book called The Culture of Complaint, The Fraying of America. And what he talked about is he said, the way in our country, in our society, we have used words and complaining has frayed our society and has gone and seduced our culture, our society, and our politics. And we can all know that's exactly right. In so many ways it's true because people have a hard time holding their tongue. They have a hard time weighing their words carefully before they speak. And yet at the same time, the world judges people by the words they use like never before. And it puts us at a, at a weird place in America, it's true. There was a man once whose goal in life was to be a monk in a monastery. So he went to the, this monastery, he went to the head monk and he said, um, what can I do to join? And the head monk said, I don't know if you want to join this, this, this group here. You understand, we take a vow of silence. We, you can only say two words per year. Other than the time you pray, you can pray all the time. But you can only speak to another person with two words per year. The guy said, whew, I think I'll try it. So for one year, he spoke nothing but prayers. At the end of the year, the head monk brought him in and said, okay, what are your two words? And he said, food's bad. And that's all he said. So he spent another 12 months not saying anything and Brought him in for the second year, and he said, what are your words? And he said, bed's hard. So, didn't say another word for another 12 months. Then he came in that third year, and he said, what are your two words? He said, I quit. <laughs> and the head monk said, well, I'm not surprised. Ever since you came here, all you've done is complain. Sometimes I sort of feel like we become the poster children of complaining. Have you ever felt like that about yourself? I know we feel like that about other people, but have you ever noticed sometimes that's what happens to us? It's true. So we can be real careful. We don't, we don't want to cuss. We don't want to take the Lord's name in vain. We don't want to gossip. But what about those words that, well, Robert Hughes talked about in his book, Fraying of America, called corrosive talk. I think Paul chose those two words that he used carefully because corrosive talk, the word corrosive means acid. And we all know what acid does. Different kinds of acid do different things, but they all 
begin to eat up and eat away at everything it touches. And that's what corrosive talk does. Corrosive words eat at everything. They eat at marriage relationships. They eat in family relationships, children and, and their parents, in the workplace, everywhere. Corrosive words seem to, seem to eat and destroy everything it touches. And that's, that's a very, very difficult place. If you want to destroy a relationship in your life with God, with other people, in your workplace, just give yourself over to complaining and criticizing. Just give yourself over to that. It's not hard to do either. You just constantly complain about the weather, government, the election, the economy. Complain about your job. Complain about your boss, your income, your coworkers. Complain about your own physical features every time you look in the mirror. You know, not enough here and too much here and too much here. Complain about rules and regulations. Complain about your family, your parents, your siblings, your spouse, your children. Constantly complain about how people drive or the way they don't discipline their kids. Complain about sports coaches and umpires and referees. Complain about church and music. And other Christians, and be sure to do that on social media. Isn't it amazing how many things we can find to complain about? We can find so much to complain about. And just imagine how all that complaining is going out and affecting all the people you're complaining to or about. It's truth. We need to stop and think about it. And Paul thought enough about that to say, if you want to shine like a light in the world, watch your mouth. That's what he said. Look at your mouth. Look at what you're saying. Now, if it's not enough just to uh, have a, a constant barrage of complaining, let's add criticism to it. You know, stop chewing your gum that way. Don't leave your hair in the sink. Clean up for yourself. Don't slam the door when you go outside. Stop leaving me with an empty gas tank. Stop spending so much money. You get on my nerves. Can't they hire more competent workers than these? Doesn't anybody that work here even have a brain? It's not a pretty picture. And to be honest with you, we have all been guilty sometime or another of criticizing and complaining and just letting those things roll out. We all have. I know I have. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from all kinds of places. It may come from anger that builds up inside of us at certain times where there's a lot of pressure and something has to go, you know? Sometimes it comes from irritations that happen outside of us. Sometimes it comes from disappointments when things don't go our way. Sometimes it comes from our own guilt and insecurity of how we're living our own lives, and it's always better to find somebody else to blame than ourselves. There are a lot of reasons and roots to explain where all this corrosive talk comes from. So what does the Bible say about it? Well, the Bible is quite clear, corrosive talk has no place in the life of a person of God. That's what it says. It says a lot of places. Like Solomon, this is what he said. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal and fire lights wood. He also said, throw out the mocker and fighting goes too. Quarrels and insults will disappear. But nowhere in Scripture is complaining and criticizing more evident 
than when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and went into the promised land. And God even commented about it. Now, think about this. They, they were right on the edge of the promised land, right on the edge of going into the promised land. And Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to check it out. And when they came back, 10 of them had complaining, uh, murmuring reports. And the Bible says that report began to spread throughout the children of Israel. And only two came back with a report of what God could do. The, the, the ten that went out came back and said, oh, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They're too great. We'll never be able to conquer them. And it began to affect the children of Israel. And Joshua and Caleb were the only two that said, no, 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 no. It, it, that's not what happens. Well, let, let me tell you what. We can look at that story and see, just through that story, what complaining and criticizing will do to us. And so, real quickly, I want to go through it. Number one, complaining and criticizing ignores God's potential. Now, think about it. God had just taken them out of Egypt through ten plagues that fell on the Egyptians, but not on the Israelites. Then he took them to the Red Sea and opened up the sea, and they marched through it. And then they got in the wilderness, and he fed them with manna from heaven and birds coming in and dying and falling on their plate, you know, already cooked, stuff like that. If God could do all of that, don't you think he could have taken care of a few giants in the promised land? But it's amazing how complaining and criticizing or ignores God's potential. They didn't even put God into it. Not at all. Number two, complaining and criticizing leads to wrong conclusions and bad judgments. You know what the, the scripture says in Numbers? It says, why did the Lord bring us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder it would be better if we went back to Egypt. And then they tried to get somebody to lead them back into Egypt. Now, where did they get that from? They got that from the report that came from the spies that came and said, Oh, it's terrible. They're bigger than we are. They're going to kill us. And they all said, We need to go back to Egypt. Now, that was a dumb conclusion. That was a bad judgment. And when you, when you constantly feed yourselves with bad bad criticisms and, 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 and complaining, it feeds that where you can't see anything but the alternative. That's what happened to them. Their conclusions about what God wanted to do couldn't be further from the truth. Here's the third one. Complaining and criticizing leads to self-pity. The Israelites said, if only we had died in Egypt. <laughs> Poor things. They're complaining and criticizing so much they started feeling sorry for themselves. They just started feeling terrible and thought, you know what, we'd just be better off dead. They began to nurse those feelings and we're just victims out here. We're brought out, God brought us out here to kill us. Victims. You, you know, America has become a land of victims. It seems like in our society, everybody feels like they got to pick a, vic a victimhood to be a part of. Why? Because the corrosive words in our society have spread so much, everybody feels like a victim because we talk about it all the time, all the time. 
It's affected us. It's affected the way we live. Lawsuits. Why? Because everybody's the victim. Got to find somebody to blame. Here's the fourth thing. This is, what, this is what happens. Complaining and criticizing leads to fear. Joshua and Caleb kept saying, don't be afraid. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with us. But instead, they forgot about God. They forgot about God's power. They forgot about God's provision. They ignored God. They, they took an anti-God uh, view of the situation. And as a result, they were fearful. And the more they thought about it, the more fearful they got. And what was the result of the whole thing? You know what the result was? God made them wander around in the wilderness for 40 more years. Why? So that no complainer could go into the promised land. That's what happened. God said, I'm not going to let complainers have the blessings of the promised land. Now, let's just put that in our, in our world right now. Do I want to miss out on the blessings of God? Well, I will if I run my mouth complaining all the time. We want to have all the blessings and get to complain. It's not like that. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I want to, I want to close today by just offering some some ways to deal with this. I mean, I've painted a, a probably a pretty ugly picture. Terrible for the day after Christmas, isn't it? But, you know, Paul did say this in the Scripture. He said, if you want to shine as lights in a world full of perverse and broken people, watch your mouth. That's what he said. So, here's what I think is a solution. Three things. Number one, be realistic. That's what I mean by this. The world is broken, and so are we, <laughs> really. Everyone is not going to have it together, including me, including you. The truth is things are going to happen with imperfect people in the world that we can't explain, we can't understand. They're going to happen all the time. There was this, there was this uh, doctor, and uh, he had a patient, an old man limped into his office one day, and and the old man said, hey, my left knee is hurting so bad. The doctor looked around, looked at it, looked at him and says, how old are you? He said, I'm 98. He said, man, you're almost 100 years old and you've come in here and said your left knee hurts. Man, what do you expect? He said, well, my right knee's 98 years old too and it don't hurt. <laughs> sort of, so, I think we need to sort of be realistic here. Be realistic. Look, the world is not going to do everything we want it to do. We're going to have a lot of things to complain about. I promise you that the enemy's going to make sure there's plenty of stuff out there to complain about. The world is often unfair. And some people have a hand dealt to them that I can't explain why that hand was dealt. We live in a real world. Some people we trust do wrong. Some spouses don't keep their vows. Life-threatening diseases strike us. Loved ones die unexpectedly. When things like this happen, we feel like we have a right to be critical and criticize, especially God. Because ultimately we go, God could have changed this. It's God's fault. And we find ourselves just like the children of Israel, wandering in the wilderness saying, God brought us here to kill us. And that's not true. It's not true. Not true at all. As difficult as it may be, 
We've got to learn to bite our tongue and to watch our words. We've got to learn to let God calm our spirit and give us his point of view. We know how bad things got for Jesus, right? We know how bad things got for him at the end when he was being beaten and tortured and crucified. Look at what Isaiah said. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep is silent before the shearers, and he did not open his mouth. Listen, Jesus was bold. He corrected the Pharisees. He told the truth. He preached. He wasn't afraid of anybody. But when it came time when he was treated harshly, he did not open his mouth in criticism and hatred and arguing. He didn't do it. He refused to do it. We have a good example in our Lord. We have a very good example. Here's, here's the second thing. Be grateful. I know we dealt with this in November when we did our 21 days of gratitude. But let me just, uh, let me just reiterate something. The main focus of complaining and criticizing that we have to fix the car isn't it good to be thankful that we have a car to fix <laughs> rather than and how how often that car's gotten us where we need to go rather than being complaining about having to mow the lawn isn't it great to have a mower or to have the help to mow the lawn it really depends on what we choose to view how we choose to see it are we going to see it like aunt bappy and jesus we're going to see it with complaining eyes, complaining tongue. We need to realize this. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says it. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You know, thanklessness comes 
out of our heart that complains and criticizes and when we do we're actually accusing God of not taking care of us have you ever thought about that when we complain and criticize we're saying God you're not doing your job we're judging God and when we judge God especially in front of people who don't know Jesus we give them a reason to judge God too when we complain about other Christians then people say well I don't want to be a Christian and it came out of a Christian's mouth that's why Paul said what he said in the scripture if you want to shine like a light in the world shut your mouth sometimes he knew that because it's it's what happens grumbling and and arguing and murmuring it happens in our world we get spiritual amnesia we forget God's presence his deliverance his provision his greatness his love for us we get spiritual amnesia and we get this deadly disease called corrosive talk here's the third thing and this is the big one and this is the end be different be different being different makes a difference I promise you being different makes a difference Aunt Bappy was different she's different from me and it didn't take me long to figure that out it's the easiest thing in the world to complain and criticize it's so easy but God calls us to be different God wants us to do everything without complaining and arguing so we will stand out from others in the world when we don't complain and criticize like everyone else, people notice. In doing that, we can be a light shining in a dark world instead of being more darkness in the world. Rather than speaking words of complaint and criticism, God wants us to speak words of encouragement and truth. And truth that sets people free. Those are not always pleasant words, but it's truth. It's truth. Let's make it our goal this year. I, I want to challenge you. Let's make it our goal this year to intentionally say, I'm going to change the way I talk. Maybe you need somebody in your life, maybe a, a family member or some, a friend, to say, hold me accountable to this. I want to change the way I, I'm tired of being that kind of person. I don't want to be what the rest of the world is. I don't want to do it on social media, and I don't want to do it in person with anybody. We've, we've got 21 days of fasting and prayer coming up. And you know what? I, I think I want to make sure that this year I say, God, help me with my mouth. I, I may have to be like the monk who wasn't able to say anything but prayers, you know, two words. Why is this so important? Why did Paul write that? We're talking about the star of Christmas and how wonderful the shining like the stars. Why did he say that? Because if, if we say we shine like a star, but we don't emit the light of Jesus, we're lying to ourselves and to the world. Why is it important? Listen to this. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people, hold firmly to the word of life and then the day of Christ's return I'll be proud that I didn't run the race in vain and my work was not useless grumbling and arguing and murmuring and fighting and disagreeing as God's people not only dulls our own relationship with God but it diminishes the light that we give to the rest of the world that virus called sin has infected the whole world 
And the last thing we need to do is be a part of making that a bigger thing than it was. Corrosive talk. The Bible says we have the power by the words of our mouth to bring life or death. We say, oh no, I'm just going to bring neutral. No, life or death with our words. The Bible says we have the power, so it is our choice. I don't want to give those who are dying without Jesus any reason to enter eternity without knowing him. I don't want to be a deterrence or a stumbling block to somebody who may not come to Christ because of some stupid thing I said. I don't want to give them any reason to call our faith in Jesus bogus because I can't control my mouth. You know, uh, earlier today, I, the Lord sort of gave me a vision of a, of a battery. And uh, this is going to sound a little silly, but it's the way it goes. <laughs> there was a battery, and you know how you can open your hood sometimes and your battery has corrosion on the top of it? You know how it's that white, yucky stuff that gets around the, the battery, the top of the battery? You know what can happen? Do you know sometimes you, you can't crank your car? You know what it does? It steals the power. And the Lord said, that's what corrosive talk does to you. It steals my power in you. You won't have the power of God in you if you're full of corrosion. So every once in a while, you have to get a steel brush and you have to get that corrosion off. Jesus, apply the steel brush to me today. I want to get the corrosive talk out of my life so that I can be everything I need to be with my mouth out there. With, with what people hear from me, I want to be able to be that. God wants us to be shining brilliantly for him. He's given us every reason to have the power to do it. He's given us the Holy Spirit to live in us. He's given us God's word, God's truth. He's given us a changed heart, a transformed heart. He's given us his love. He's given us his power. He's given us everything we need to be a bright light shining in the world. But we need to recognize the corrosion that can come out of our mouth. Paul said it. And he said it for one reason. So that God's people could truly be a light. A light in the world. So the rest of the world would know who to follow. In order to do that, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to make us sensitive to what he's trying to show us. I, I just want to tell you this. This is how the Holy Spirit works. When we say, God, I don't, I, I don't, want, I don't want to fall into sin. I don't want to be a, a, an anti-witness for you. I want to be your witness. God, help me. Show me what to do. And God will begin by his Spirit to show you stuff. It may be by showing a failure so that you can say, whoa, I can't believe I did that. It may be those things, but God wants to show us. His Holy Spirit can do us. So the Spirit of God is the one that we need to call on right now. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment about the Spirit of the living God. And we're going to invite the Spirit of, the, of God, the Holy Spirit, to come in and to begin to brush off the corrosive talk in our minds and our hearts and to prepare us to be sensitive to what we're saying. I guarantee you, I challenge you this year, if we'll change the way we talk, 
the world around us will change as well. I promise you, it's practical, but it's the truth. It's the truth. I challenge you to apply this message to yourself today. I'm going to do it. I challenge you to do it. Would you stand together with me? I want you, if you will, just to hold your hands out just for a second. I'm going to pray, and I want to ask you, as you hold your hands out, to say, Lord, I receive this prayer as mine. So agree with me, if you will. Lord God, I know that sometimes my mouth speaks things that I'm ashamed of. Lord, I know that my mouth, corrosive talk can come out of criticizing and arguing, complaining. God, I know that I do it more than I think. But God, I really, really don't want to be that person. I want to be a light that shines in a dark world. Lord, I want you to make me sensitive to those things. Bring them to my attention. Show me, Lord God, the corrosive talk in my life. Father, I don't want to be a part of the culture of complaint. I don't want to be a part of the fraying my country. Lord, I want to be in your kingdom and talk your kingdom stuff. I want to be encouraging. I want to be fruitful. I want to be thankful. I want to be grateful. I want to be encouraging. Lord, I pray you would deal with my mouth. Deal, deal with the inside of me. Transform the way I communicate. Lord, right now, scrape away the corrosion that is robbing me of the power to be everything I need to be. Right now in the room, just in your heart, say, Lord, I agree with that prayer. I want you to apply that to me. God, I agree with that prayer. Online right now, wherever you are, just say, Lord, I agree with that. For those of you online, there's somebody waiting there to pray with you right now.